0: intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, incredibly excited to talk to Ryan Bearden on how to avoid checkbox marketing. Ryan has spent over 20 years in marketing and advertising with experience across both the agency and client side. He has worked with leading technology brands such as Citrix, Dell, AMD, Teradata, Sun Microsystems, and many more. In his current role as AVP of Integrated Solutions, Ryan leads product marketing, digital, and global demand generations teams at AT AT&T Business with an emphasis on cybersecurity portfolio. Ryan, you know I'm really excited. Welcome to the show.
0: Mark, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Um, really can't wait to, uh, to jump into it with you. So thank you so much for having me.
1: I, I think when I read off all of those uh, companies, it's like reading the, the Fortune 50 list or something like that going on.
0: There was some I'll tell you that was some of those go back to the agency days many, many, many moons ago. So uh, bringing back some old uh, some old uh, war wounds there. But some good times, too.
1: (laughs) As I kept going on the list, it kept going more legacy. We won't won't feature anything,
0: Ryan. This is we'll we'll stay out of that
1: framework. This is great, though. I think, you know, we've chatted a little bit about this. I'm I'm really excited to dive in. I think this is um, a topic that's going to be very interesting to our listeners. Um, and, and one that uh, we, sh- we might have to have you back on to dive even deeper into because I think we're only going to get so much time to even scratch the surface as it relates to it. But can, can you explain to the listeners what we're even talking about when we're talking about checkbox marketing?
0: Yeah, sure, Mark. And, and, you know, obviously, this concept is nothing really new, you know, uh, others might have described it as, you know, random acts of marketing, um, right, where you get into a mode where you just get into execution mode, execution mode, execution mode. And, you know, you wake up one day, and you're doing all of this stuff, you're putting all of these things out there, but what's it accomplishing? Are we really moving the needle on our business? Are we supporting the sellers? Are we supporting the brand? Are we supporting the business most important? And, um, you know, having uh, with you and I going back and forth and sort of reflecting on some topics, this is one that, that popped up, um, you know, that I've experienced certainly many times in, in, in my past lives and, and um, a topic that I know that some of my past colleagues can, uh, um, can certainly relate to. So, you know, it's really just that, um, Getting into this mode of speed and um, speed without direction, speed without focus. Um, and I, you know, it's funny, I, I think, I don't know where I first sort of thought this term checkbox marketing. I'm confident that as long as marketing has been around, uh, I'm not the first one to use that term, but I think the, um, you know, I've, I remember more than a few occasions of sitting in a meetings and looking at, okay, did we do this? Did we do this? Did we do this? and a lot of it seemed like a fire drill at the time and then reflecting back three months later six months later remember that fire drill that thing we had to react to whatever came of that whatever happened to that um and just you know the more i've reflected on those circumstances especially you know the agency side right when you're on the agency side you've got your clients and they're in that mode that means you're really in that mode and so um you know really i look at it as just um fast execution, but aimless fast execution.
1: That's interesting. I mean, I, we've all been there. It's nothing uh, new or, or to your point, it's nothing novel that someone's going to be like, well, I've never, never been in a scenario when I'm in a meeting and I'm, you know, going through the motions. Right. Um, yeah. so that, that's, uh, that's definitely something that, that hits home. Uh, I'm sure with, with many of our listeners. So it, obviously, We've been there, we know what we're talking about. That's not a place we really wanna be though, right? Right, right. So how do we get around it? How do we avoid it? What are we doing?
0: So I think, you know, let's first start with the basic, the word that I used a couple times there, right? Is the need, you know, it sounded like, uh, you know, Goose and Maverick here on Top Gun, the need for speed. Um, and you do this a lot, Mark, and you've talked to business leaders, marketing leaders, product leaders, sales leaders, um, you know, as much as I have, if not more so, uh, and I would venture to guess that you've probably not come across one that says, you know what? The secret to our success is we really slow down. We go really slow and make sure that everything's perfect. Um, I don't know about you, but the next time I hear that'll be the first time I hear that. Um,
1: part of
0: that org, that's, that's, that <laughs> that's nice. right. It does sound nice, right? I think we call that retirement. But um, <laughs> but you know, speed. When you think about it, speed is really more than just cranking out random emails, right? Cranking out blogs, campaigns, whatever it may be, um, press releases. You can do all of those things fast, but at what cost? And you know, I, I think where it really comes down to is is focus. And again. It's, it's not the most novel, um, innovative thing you've probably ever heard, but I, in my experiences where when organizations find themselves in this place is really a lack of a vision or a strategy, right? Um, and it's, we might say that, hey, we're gonna go and we're gonna triple our revenue this year. We're a high growth startup. We're gonna triple our revenue this year. And we know that we can get there because of this and this and this. Awesome, the market trends are telling us that. So what's our strategy to go get there? And usually I think that's where, in some of my experiences where we've seen that fall off. And I I want to give you a a quick little anecdote around this is. I remember, um, not too long ago, um, but a, a few years back. And I remember talking to one of my, uh, business leaders and looking at, okay, we've got an objective. We're going to go get to be a $200 million company this year. Okay. What is our business strategy to get there? What is our strategy here? I was relatively new to the organization. And the leader pointed at the number on the slide and said, that's our strategy. And my thought was, uh-oh, um, it's like wishful thinking is not a strategy, right? We've heard that term before. And I think that was one of those areas where you know, it was a diversified business, a lot of different channels to reach revenue, you know, multiple products. And you know, so that was a red flag for me. And so, you know, I think it really comes back to what is the focus, right? We want to move quick, but if we know what our strategy is, we know that where are we going to place our bets to win? I can go do 15 things. Okay. But I can do these eight or nine things really, really well. What are the eight or nine things that are going to make the biggest bets that we're going to put our chips in here? Cause that's going to get us our best chance to hit our goal. And I think being able to say no, I'm not going to do those other five or six or seven things because this is where the big bets lie. Instead of chasing every revenue opportunity, every nickel and dime we possibly can, go get me after dollar bills and five dollar bills and hundred dollar bills. Um, and I think that it, with that focus, with that strategy, and then that focus on that strategy, it you know brings about agility. Right? Agility is so critical. Um, you know, with the importance of speed in today's business world, you know, being. Um, being brave enough to take chances based on gut. I think we can go do this. This is something new. We've you know researched this. We've seen this particular program or this approach work, um, you know. But being bold enough and brave enough to take those chances and humble enough to accept and welcome that failure. So as long as you fail fast and you move on. And I think that that's where that sweet spot of speed, but that focus, right? That's what comes into play because if you have that focus, you have that strategy you have that vision and then you point that speed to it, failure becomes okay. It becomes a, a, a way to learn and a way to pivot. And that all comes back to sort of creating that agility. And I think that that's really one of the, um, that's really where um, I think where organizations most find themselves in. But I'll also say this is that you can have all of those things. You can have that strategy. And you can have that vision and you can have that focus and you get moving. But let's be honest, things happen. crises happen. Emergencies pop up, right? Um, I work in cybersecurity, right? As you can imagine, ransomware attacks, cyber attacks, breaches, in case nobody's been paying attention, those things aren't going away. They're actually getting increasing. And so when things like that happen, (laughs) that's right. And when things like that happen, you know your your service goes down, your your sat your application goes down. When things like that happen, you got to pivot. And so, I think that attention gets drawn away for a second. Coming back to catch up, you can get off track. You can very easily get off track. And I think that um, you know really not having that um, that strong discipline leader to ensure that when we do get off track and we get back on track, that we're going in the right direction. Um, So I think that it's really, you either don't have that strategy or you've got a vision without a strategy, or God forbid, you don't have a vision or a strategy, but you're just chasing a revenue number. Um, I think that's where, you know, that's doomed to fail from the get-go. But how do you pivot, right? When those emergencies do arise, how do you get it back on track? Um, And I think it's hard. Marketing leaders, CMOs today, it's so hard. There's so much pressure on businesses to perform today. Um, and in a world, you know, Mark, you, you talk to marketing leaders all the time of CMOs are sort of redefining what their role is. What role is the CMO going to play in a business, right? Their role gets scrutinized, you know, CROs come and go. We know that product leaders, you know, they've got the vision. They're the smart guy, but CMOs kind of this nebulous, what are they doing? Are they focused on driving leads? Are they focused on the customer experience? What is that? And I think that, um, Uh, taking that focus, taking that focus off the ball is where you can easily find yourselves, with the mounting pressures of business today, find yourself in that zone. It's
1: such a hard thing to balance, I can imagine. I mean, uh, to your point, you know, balancing between deciding when is enough, right? Do I do the 15 things, or are the eight things really going to net it? And then to your point, my colleagues and and my uh my bosses and and things of that nature when they look at my business and when they look at what what I'm contributing uh is it enough right am i am i executing to the degree that they, of their expectations right um yeah. you got to really be confident in choosing and placing those bets that those are the things that matter and um and those are the ones that are actually going to net you uh the return i think one of the points that you brought up which was really insightful was Obviously the speed and the focus piece, but um, when you were talking about how they actually end up there. and I, I think you know, uh, when I was reflecting when you were talking about that in the scenarios that uh, I've been in, in in the same position, I, I would now absolutely would agree with you that it's largely due to a lack of vision and a lack of strategy. I think to your point, those two components are so critical, to a well-executed marketing strategy or a well-executed revenue goal or whatever it happens to be, you need to have the higher level vision and the higher level strategy. And then those 15 things that you need to prioritize, one, get narrowed down to eight, and then two, align to those those pillars, if you will.
0: Um, yeah, so, exactly. so
1: big, I couldn't
0: agree more. Well, and it allows you to, um, you know, I, as I have progressed throughout my career, um, you know, it went from, do we have enough people to do all these things to maturing and growing and learning? Do I have the right people to do the things that I need to do? And then it becomes more and more now. Do I have the right, ple- right. People in the right places, right? It's there's that, uh, we'll call it utopian. Uh, I don't really think it is, but you know, do we have the right people on the bus? Yeah, maybe. Do we have the right people in the right seats on the bus? Uh, Because that is where you really start to make magic. And, you know, there's this book that I'm reading now, Michael Hyatt, the vision driven leader um, probably my kind of my favorite book of the year so far. And, you know, there's a section in it where he talks about these mounting pressures right on the business leaders, on, on marketing leaders, on business leaders, but there is this, this balance, this connection between strategy and productivity that, um, when that gets off balance through all those things that we just talked about, those emergencies, those you know, gotchas that come up, is that 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 those tasks, those activities become disconnected from the vision. And it leads to doing essentially doing those activities for the sake of doing activities. And you know, again, coming back to this whole idea of checkbox marketing of okay, we have this product launch. Did we get a press release? Do we have a web page up? Do we have collateral for sellers? Do we have a sales presentation? Are we putting content out in the market? Okay, check, check, awesome. What's the next thing we're going on to? And it's like, just throwing those tasks out there is going to magically make this the greatest, you know, greatest launch of all time. Um, And it's just not going to happen. And I think that, you know, again, coming back to having that disciplined, strong leader that can maintain that connection between that strategy and the productivity around it is, um, is really key to success, to sustain success.
1: I can recall those uh, fire drill meetings very well. So you just going through this, that go to market checklist brings back some, uh, I start sweating profusely, uh, Ryan, you know.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna be in fetal position here in a minute if we keep talking about them, so. (laughs) I'm with
1: you. It's it's very common though. I mean, I I can't, you can't imagine that any of our listeners haven't experienced that at least once within their career. Um, you know, very rarely do we have the, the foresight and the strategy and the alignment at the organizational level mm-hmm. uh, to be able to avoid those kinds of pitfalls. And certainly, to your point, even the most sophisticated and aligned and vision-centric organizations out there, uh, the second, you know, you get punched in the face, uh, you know, all, all bets are out the window, right? Uh, yeah.
0: Kind of go back to
1: the old uh, reflexes.
0: That's right. What did George Foreman say? Everybody's got a play until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> that's
1: it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the big thing. It, you know, it's all well and good. Um, you know, until you miss that revenue number for the first quarter or second quarter, whatever quarter you're in, and then, well, panic sets in, right? How do we How do we justify? How do we make sure that uh, everyone's covered and and so on, right? It, it becomes this fire sale if you.
0: And it's going to happen, right? I mean, it's it's not everybody is Amazon. Nobody else is Amazon, right? Sure. It, it's going to happen. And I have to believe, I don't know the history of that company, but at some point in their growth phase, Amazon missed a revenue number or two. Um, it worked out for them, uh, but they had their vision. But I, I think that it's just, it's understanding that the setbacks are going to happen. They're just going to happen. Do I have the right leadership in place that can um, weather that storm and not lose sight of the end game. Um, you know, and that's, that in and of itself, right? The, the human behavior part, typically the hardest part to, uh, to master there.
1: So huge. And Amazon was in the red for a number of years, for sure. The, yeah. so I'm sure they tell that the, I think to your point, right? I'm, I'm there's the initial question I asked and, and it, maybe it was it was too preemptive, right? You've given a great foundation for how organizations actually end up in this position, if you will. Uh, Obviously, a lack of strategy and a lack of vision being the two main components to that. So, uh, you know, how can we avoid that? Obviously, having great alignment and great vision, uh, you know, that's the easy answer. You were mentioning personnel, and you were mentioning, uh, putting the I guess, the right asses in the right seats. Yeah. But like, what do you mean? Like, give me some more context to that, because I think that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, first and foremost, you, you hit the nail on the head. Vision, right? Where are we going in the strategy? How are we going to get there? Right. That That's the foundation. Without that foundation, we're, we're, we're trying to build a house of cards and sand. Um. And so I, I think that from there, it's really, you know, having the right personnel, but Again, I'm going to kind of reference the whole um, essence of Hyatt's book, Vision Driven Leader, is are you able to really articulate that vision, evangelize it, and not just get buy-in, but build energy around it, right? And this comes back to something that is I find the most important um, um, aspect of my success raised by a Marine Corps officer probably didn't hurt, um, but, you know, is leadership. Um, you know, and it's throughout our career, you know, my career, I'm sure you've experienced this as well Is there's those really, really great leaders that I'm going to run through a wall for this person. And there's other ones that it's like, oh my gosh, like what, what are we doing here? Um, and I, you know, strive to be that person that is, you know, I surround myself with people smarter than me. I have no ego. I have no interest in being the smartest guy in the room, because A, it'll probably never happen. And I'm totally cool with that. (laughs) I'm comfortable in my skin. I'm comfortable with my ego, but make sure that I have the right people that are smarter than me around it. And my job is to say, here is a vision. Here's where we're going to go. Here are the numbers. Here are the tangible numbers that we have to go and hit. We're going to support The sellers because they have a revenue number of a hundred million dollars and we're going to own 30% of that number. We're going to own driving the pipeline for them. And so Here is our vision on how we're going to go out there, but bringing them involved to say, you guys tell me how we're going to get there. You guys come in and you're going to, we're going to define the strategy together because if I am giving them, here's your task, then Okay, they might enjoy it. They might like me. They might like the company, whatever, but are they gonna pour their soul into it? And so if I can do my part to sell the vision and get the buy-in there and then have them participate in the creation of the strategy, that is going to light a fire within them that's gonna make them have ownership of that and make them go and want to deliver and want to move quickly there. And also give them permission. We talked about this before, permission to fail. I am empowering you to make a decision. You're not gonna make every decision right. I sure as hell ain't gonna make every decision right but I'm gonna empower you to make those decisions. And so once we have that strategy, once we have a strategy that aligns to the vision and we see a clear path to where we're going and it's attainable, it's believable. I believe in this. It's not a $500 million, let's go hit it. Well, we're at a hundred million now. We're not gonna hit $500 million this year. Well, just let's go try hard and if we get halfway there, then we'll do it. That's not good. Nobody gets Mm -hmm. by, they just kind of throw their arms up and like, well, whatever. But if we have that vision, we have them develop that strategy to participate in the development of that strategy. And then this is where what becomes key. If I know that at the end of year one, right? A a solid vision to me is not where are we going to be at the end of the year? It's where are we going to be in three years? We're a $600 million company now making this up. And in three years, we're going to be a billion dollar company. Cool. What do we need to do in year one, year two, year three to get there? But beyond that, if you don't break it down any further than year one, Yeesh, you 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 are you're gonna have a lot of passionate people, but how are they gonna know in April, in February, in July, how are we doing? Are we doing okay? What's coming on? Are we waiting for the finance team to give the revenue numbers? And so this comes back to the whole essence of speed, that focus speed, right? Not those 15 things just okay, those eight or nine things really well, but break it down into what are we gonna do over the next two weeks? The next two weeks, we're gonna get this into market. And then a week after that, we're gonna know what impact did it have? Driving leads, getting eyeballs, getting downloads, Uh, sales has open opportunities, X number of open opportunities. You break it down into sizable chunks, never losing sight of that strategy, never ever losing sight of that strategy, never compromising on that strategy because we're sure as hell not gonna compromise on that vision. And, but we keep those components in place, those micro metrics, if you will, in place um, that are true indicators of the business. But again, it's about having those team, those aces in the places, own those numbers, own the readout of the every two weeks, right? It's my job to go to my boss, executive vice presidents, CEOs, whoever it may be, finance teams. It's my job to go and take the bullets, take the arrows, right? And as I, you know, again, kind of back to instilling that sense of ownership with the team, um, giving them that empowerment, right? It's like one of the things that I always prided myself when I was on the agency side that I loved and embraced is I was client facing, right? I was not a creative. I, was, I used to say that in client services, we do everything except all the work. I don't write copy. I'm not designing anything. If I sat down in front of Adobe you know, InDesign, it would blow up. But <laughs> what I do is I go up there and I'll take all of the blame and none of the credit. And if they see that, they consistently see that they have bought into the strategy because they have got their hands dirty in it, they see me rolling up the sleeves with them and doing it, that's when they're going to run through the wall, that's when they're going to be okay with failure, they're going to celebrate the wins, and they're going to keep pivoting, but it comes back to not looking at, okay, at the end of the year, hopefully we'll be here. No, no, what are we doing in two weeks to get us to the first month's goal? What are we doing in the next two weeks to get us to the next month's goal? Okay, what's working and what's not working. Cool. It didn't work, now we're smarter than we were yesterday, get rid of it, move on. And I think it's really about never losing sight, never compromising again on the strategy, on the vision, getting that buy-in through active participation, and then making sure that we're measuring along the way, you know. And there's there can be a fine line, Mark, let's be honest. There's a very fine line between are we doing analysis paralysis or are we really looking at what's working and what's not? And you got to define that, right? That's part of the strategy. We know that we have this many leads, that we're going to have this many opportunities that's going to result in X number of deals. Cool. That's what we're working towards. If we get more efficient along the way, even better.
1: Mm, I can see it. I mean, I see it, you know, in a lot of things that you were talking about. If you're pointing at that $600 million number that you've got and you're pointing at year one and you're saying, I need to get, you know, whatever to the next step, right? 750 or whatever it is. And you just keep pointing at that number and that's the whole strat. It's going to lead it's going to lead to a lot of people at the organization not knowing where to place those bets, not knowing exactly what activities are going to drive that result. You can't measure that number. You can measure against the activities that are going to get you there. Right? Yeah, and, uh,
0: exactly. That's huge. Well, huge. I'll tell you a beautiful moment that happened um, not so long ago in my career, you know, a very strong relationship with the sales leader and um, I'm a big believer if you haven't been able to tell like you know this day and age if you're not sitting next door next seat next to the seat next to you with the uh, Your counterpart in the sales leadership then you're you're 10 years behind in in modern marketing especially in b2b today um, yeah. But sitting down and he and I knew and it was that same instance of you know You know the leader pointing at the number, you know the hundreds of millions of dollars number saying that's a strategy He and I knew that's not a strategy. We're not sniffed at but what he and I did is that we knew, I'm not looking at this, I'm looking down the road. You and I know, sales leader, we know where we need to get better. We knew some of the blocking and tackling where we have to improve, get our teams more aligned. And it was this sort of beautiful, sort of micro harmonious, we had our own little strategy and vision of, we're gonna grow. We're going to grow year over year. I know that. We're not going to hit this arbitrary number that, you know, whomever put it out there, you know, uh, very ambitious, but we know that we're going to grow, but we also know we're going to sell the work that we're going to put in this year is going to set us up to really springboard to growth next year. And it was not um, going rogue. It was not going against the company. It was not, you know, compromising what's best for the business. It was, we know in our heart of hearts, what's real today, but what could be tomorrow and that's how we sort of aligned our teams and the work that we did together.
1: I, you know, it's one thing you said, you know, I don't think you have any speakers that come on and talk about moving slow in the beginning of the conversation. And you're right about that. No, I've never had a single uh, marketer or sales professional come on and, and say, hey, we gotta really, we gotta slow things down at the organization. But in the same vein of what you said, Uh, leaning over the fence and and tackling that wall and breaking the wall uh, between sales and marketing. Every single one of our sales and marketing uh, leaders that have come on um, the podcast have absolutely uh, been massive believers in in breaking down that barrier and really reaching across the aisle. So
0: I think you're exactly right on that. Well, and I think too, it's the, I, I've grown, the, the more I've progressed in my career and more recently in the last probably five years, what I've really grown to, um, to appreciate and accept and understand is that, you know, five, 10 years ago, right? It was like, well, how much revenue is marketing generating versus how much revenue is sales generating? Here's what I know to be a hundred percent fact there is not one single deal, enterprise sales, software deal, B2B deal that has come in that at no at no point ever touched any marketing. Secondly, most importantly, there is not one major deal that has come through that a sales rep didn't close. If I had to go close a deal, it would be a disaster. If my counterpart, one of my sales regional sales leaders had to come in and plan the campaigns, it would be a disaster. And guess what? We're both very cool with that and very appreciative of that we have each other. And so it's, it's more so this mindset of, you know, I, I want to contribute. I want to have a target because I want to own a number. I want to own a number as it associates to driving revenue for the business. But at the end of the day, if you, this sales rep wants to take credit for this deal, cool, knock yourself out. Because you closed the deal. Awesome but recognize they came to this webcast, visit our website three times and downloaded this piece of content over there. But you closed the deal and I give you credit for that. And I think the good news is I see more and more of that being embraced. Um, and, and you know one of the things that, one more anecdote that I wanna just highlight if I may, on just in terms of these, this speed, right, this concept of speed. And one of the greatest CMOs, my last job that I had um, ever had in my career, um, uh, great leader, he, um, he had this term that I have adopted. Um, and it sounds like, on the surface, it sounds like a little bit of a cop-out, but let me explain it. He said, sometimes we have to slow down so that we can speed up. And there was a point when we were moving very fast, high growth sort of, or, we'll call it mid-stage startup. High growth, aggressive goals, had some private equity investment looking to flip it. You know that story. Um, <clears throat> and. We had our path. We, we had our, It was a relatively small team, about 30, 35-person marketing team, pretty scrappy. We were going down the path and, and you know moving very quickly. And he realized that, you know what, we're starting to veer into different directions. We're starting to not be aligned. And he recognized it. And what did he do? He leaned in. Most important thing I would say that I don't care what level you're at, how big of a company. And if you see something's not right and you're a leader and you're not leaning in, Then you're doing yourself and your team a disservice he leaned in and we didn't take a week or a month to regroup He got us in a conference room for a day and he said, okay, we're gonna come back to it We're gonna take a step back and look at what were the goals. What was our strategy coming into this year? Okay Now I want to do a quadrant analysis for each one of the sort of marketing leaders functional owners and leaders and looked at What's working red yellow green? What's not working? what do we need to pivot what are the risks associated with that everybody we were talking to everybody and it wasn't a it wasn't a, a process of poking holes in what anybody was doing it's like do you see over here from a demand gen side what we're doing from a content strategy perspective events uh product marketing are we have our message aligned throughout all this we took one day we literally took one day mark and we were in a conference room and did that And you know what we did we went back to work the next day and we accelerated mm-hmm. and there's times when It's going to happen. We reference these emergencies, these fire drills, all those things that are, that are inevitable. They are inevitable. But if you recognize it, taking a day, taking a moment to just take a step back, slow down, bring the team together, it's going to enable you to get back up to going speed or sometimes going faster. And it was one of the um, sort of great learnings in my career of like, I've I've mimicked what he did um, in that position. And I have really taken the heart of that. But I think, again, it shows the, Things are going to happen. Things are going to deviate off track a little bit. Recognize it, rein it in. Keep moving.
1: I love it. Yeah, no. It, the second, you said that you know, keep the take the foot off the the gas for a second. Uh, you know, I instantly am thinking about you know, you're coming up on a turn, and you're not going to take the turn at seventy miles an hour, at the same speed you're going down the highway at, right? That's right. But if you see it, that's the big thing. If you see it, right. Then slow down, relax. You know, take the turn, make the turn, correct course. Now you're going in a different direction. And then you can
0: gas it up again. Exactly go. right. Exactly right. It was great. It was it was brilliant in how simple it was and impactful it was.
1: And, and to your point, I think it's it really interesting. It doesn't have to be a massive, you know, endeavor that derails, you know, quarters upon work. It, it was a day. You got you got into a room, collaborated understood exactly what's going on the transparency is the big piece of that um that's a that's absolutely true um one of the big things that you've hit on a a couple times and i just want to harp on it real quick ryan i was having a conversation with uh michael fino over at ibm earlier today and he was talking about um i asked him you know what advice would you give yourself in the if if you could you know 15 20 years ago And he came back and he said, Don't be afraid to fail. Uh And he said that straight up. And you've said it now, I think two or three times. And I think you're talking about it as it relates to to marketing and and doing the actual work, Um, being able to actually execute on a plan, try a plan. Yeah, it might not work, it might work as long as it aligns the vision, the strategy and as long as it makes sense from I guess a root position, maybe you can say this better than I can, right? As it relates to those individuals roles and how they're going to get you to that goal, then it's worth the shot. Where, where do you draw the line or um, how, how do people determine when it's okay to, uh, to take the risk and to do something a little different and to uh, be innovative from that perspective when it might fail versus checkbox, I don't wanna say just straight up checkbox marketing, but going the path, towing the line.
0: Yeah, I think um it's a really great question and a very fine line. The um, you know, I, I think at the most basic level is the I want to go try this and I'm not sure it's going to work. Why? Why do you want to go try it? What do you think it's gonna do, right? Is it what part of a strategy this, if this works, is it going to support? Okay. There's that piece of it, and then I think there's a whole uh, another thing, and, and I want to give uh, I I don't and is an enormous organization, so our CEO John Stanky I have never met I assure you, <laughs> but um, but I you know see him speak a lot um you know whether he you know addresses the company through videos or, or leadership kickoffs or whatnot, but one of the things that he said that really stuck with me he in July he um, um he replaced his predecessor and. One of the things that he said in sort of his video that talked about his style, his vision was we have to get a lot more comfortable making decisions without all of the right information. And I think, uh, you know, I I think this is probably something that occurs with large organizations, right? Where you have access to just uh, infinite data, infinite data points, right? And, you know, at, at what point do you just like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know what to do. I don't even, I'm I'm horrified to, and I get it. I've been there. I'm horrified to try to make a decision because I've considered these 10 pieces of data, but there's 40 other ones over here. And I think it was really what stuck with me of him, what he said that was just be more comfortable making the decision. And if it's the wrong decision, we're going to lose, learn, learn soon enough. Right. And, and that can apply to are we going to go acquire this company? I'm sure, you know, the Fortune 100, Fortune 10 companies, am I going to acquire this company all the way down to, am I going to go test this new marketing channel? I'm going to go test this new, um, you know, uh, media partner, right? It could be something that small as that. And so I think it's really, as long as you, it's not just the next shiny object, but there's actual... I have a theory. I've got a gut feeling that this could help us with this part of the strategy. We have struggled to um, get as many quality leads and engagement, the levels of engagement in you know the European market as we have in North America. So I'm going to go try something that we would never do here over there because they've got the right audiences. What are their stats show? I don't know, but I know that aligns with what we're trying to do, and we're going to learn and we're going to figure it out. And I think if you just have that basic That basic understanding of I can draw a line between what I need to go and tackle, the aspect of the strategy that we might be faltering or that we feel like we could be doing better um, with this new um, tactic or approach or message. Um, If I can draw a direct line there, to me, you got carte blanche right you go let's go try it let's go run up the flagpole obviously budget considerations yada 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 all of those other things have to be in line and reasonable but i think that really start you know all of that being said drawing that line between the strategy and and um you know this new thing but also i'm gonna be okay i've been empowered And it's okay for me to not have the answers, right? If everything was a for sure thing, number one, if we wait for everything to be a for sure thing, like we said, moving fast would never happen. Um, Number two, that will never happen. But um, (laughs) I'm okay with not having all of the data points and not having a full case study, right? Of of what might or might not happen. And so I think that that there's gotta be some uh, level of discipline there, but you know, you gotta take a leap of faith.
1: I love it. Test the hypothesis.
0: Yeah, test exactly. And I think if you had that, t- that's a great point, right? Test the hypothesis. Cause if you had that hypothesis, here's what we think will happen based on what we know about our business and what we have gleaned about this new approach. Here's what we think will happen and here's what we will t- determine success or not. Cool. Let's go. I was in a meeting just this morning, as a matter of fact, where this is a great program. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, heard that from a product VP on a call just this morning. And so, um, you know, it happens and it's out there. It's, you know, I I think there are still um, way too many instances where that fear of failure um, is strong. It's really strong. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: This is great. I mean, obviously, we've covered a lot. We've covered, you know, how uh, specifically organizations end up in this position. We've talked a lot about how to avoid them, uh, either from a a personnel perspective, you know, ensuring that the the right people are in the right places or um, all the way from, you know, empowering uh, specific individuals to be able to to take the chances that they they need to do, um, avoid analysis paralysis, uh, lots of different things. What are we missing? What should we should we hit on that we haven't really covered?
0: Right? You know, I think those are the high points. I mean, the, the, in, in, I guess in, in sort of closing, Mark, I would say is, you know, my my sort of recommendation is the we've talked about the. Uh, it would take us weeks to count the number of books, um, MBA courses, uh, articles, uh, you know, what, whatever. LinkedIn learning courses nowadays, uh, which are fantastic, by the way soak up linkedin learning it pay the money soak it in it's fantastic but um but i think that it's you know just in, in closing it's really to me the most important thing is we talked about that strategy that vision um, do we have the right uh, butts in the seat in the right seats on the bus you know my I, I've, I've never run my own business i've never been a ceo um, you know my i've seen great ones and i've seen not so great ones but i would say put the time in to do that Make the time to have that, because if you have that foundation, things will still go wrong. They always do. But the ability to um, recenter, refocus is far greater, number one. And number two, get your team behind you, right? Revenue numbers are not a strategy. They are the end to the means. What is the means? How are we going to go get there? How are we going to go do that? And I think that to me, that is most important. And I've, you know, again, as I alluded to earlier, Strong leadership, humble, you know, humility, uh, empathy, um, and just in, uh, empowerment. Those are the three things. Of like, if if the leaders have those qualities, um, they take the time to set that strategy, set that vision, get the buy-in for that. Um, the the opportunity becomes uh, immense, in my opinion, immense. And you 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 put yourself in a much better position to avoid waking up in six, 12, 24 months, and you are going through the same checklist of each product launch, right? Uh, That's what you don't want to do. That's what you don't want to do.
1: Uh, absolutely not. I love that. Revenue target is not a strategy. It is think, not. That is not. I love it.
0: That's excellent.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I it's, it's obviously a, a great topic and one that I think we could talk for days about. Yeah. Um, we always ask on the podcast if there's Anyone that you would recommend? Do you have anyone off the top of your head that you'd actually recommend as a potential speaker to come on and, and to chat with us about something go-to-market related? Got anyone?
0: Yeah, I do. I have a couple of folks. Um, I uh, you, You've caught me off guard here. I, will, <laughs> um, I guess it's cool to name their names. Um, one of the great, uh, the, I referenced him, um, slow down to speed up. Um, the best C- CMO that I've ever worked for, a great leader, um, I hold high, very high regard. His name is Neville Letrich. Um He is a CMO, I think, at a company, Scout, a uh, cybersecurity company today. Um, he is just this um, uh, among it's a basic level a wonderful human being, but just such a smart guy, you know, with, with a mix, he's got sales um, experience. He's got marketing experience, um, finance experience. One of those very well-rounded, but also just a wonderful human being. Um, And so he would be someone that I would certainly recommend. Um, There's another uh, woman that i worked with who is probably the best. um, uh, I've always worked with product marketing people. Um, and this, my, my job now, the last 16 months I've been at AT&T, um, I have, um, I now have product marketing underneath me. Wonderful learning experience. You know, you want to talk about that. That was the epitome of you guys are smarter than me. What do you need from me? I'm just going to get out of your way. Um, but I've learned so much uh, about that and have a whole new appreciation, but, um, there's a woman, Laura Massingham who I've worked with, who is, um, the, probably the best in the business that I've experienced at product marketing.
1: Wow, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you. Every product marketer I've met is uh, light years smarter than me, so I, I'm, I'm not so like
0: I, the, I get where you're coming from. It's a unique skill, right? Because I work with product people, and I start talking, and I and I do today, and they start talking in like 90 seconds, in, "I'm like, all right, I've already you, you've you've lost me. My you know my my one inch depth of technical <laughs> knowledge that you, is is gone. You surpassed it. But product marketing, that ability to grasp that and then translate that to a story is just it's. It's yep. so brilliant, and I'm so in awe of the ones that do it really well.
1: Yeah, the masterful bridgers. Uh,
0: in, yes, uh, I'm,
1: I'm with you. So Neville and Laura absolutely will will have to, uh, we'll have to give them a shout out. That's awesome. I, both of them sound like they would be. Exceptional to learn from and to grab some best practices from. So,
0: and great people to have a beer with if you're into that kind of thing. So, absolutely. Where are they? Are they?
1: You know, I'm East Coast. Uh, are they? Are they near me? Are they down near.
0: Uh, they are both Austinites, I believe. Yes, they are both Austin. So. um, uh. I gotta fly down. But I do know some East Coasters that are, that are great people, too, that I'll uh, put you in touch with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all want to hang out with other East Coasters, right? You know, you know. <laughs> like hanging out with you guys down there. You guys enjoy life way more with the warm weather. So I, everyone's going to want to know how, how they can get in contact with you. Is, is LinkedIn the best route? What, what's the best for people to reach out?
0: Yeah, LinkedIn is great. I um, I love LinkedIn. I'm trying to get better at being, um, you know, putting more stuff out there, sharing more, um, you know, not just with with my current role, but in general, um, trying to do a lot more reading. New Year's resolution, um, you know, I'm yoga and reading. So um, <laughs> one is going better than the other. We'll just let, I'll let you figure out which one. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is great. I'm I've, uh, really trying to consume a lot more content, uh, you know, a lot more sort of crowdsource content and, and learning and great insights. And um, I I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram, any of that stuff. Uh, so LinkedIn, uh, definitely a great place to reach out. Would love to always open to talking shop. So would welcome uh, anybody reaching out and um, always looking to make great connections.
1: I love it, Ryan. And I can't thank you enough for coming on. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure and I've learned a lot, so I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you, Mark. I've had a blast and uh, would uh, would love to do it again sometime soon.
1: We will, for sure. Thanks, man.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.